A foreign heavenly body is on a collision course with Earth, and it's up to a highly trained crew of astronauts to deal with it, but they get killed in the first 10 minutes of the film, so this isn't Armageddon. It's another Toho forgotten classic, and this week's episode of Kaiju vs. Gorath. Welcome back, everybody. This is Miles, and joining me is Patrick. We have half a tank of gas, a laser beam can in the back seat, Kenny Loggins a-blasting, and it's time to roll up on a giant walrus monster and save the planet. This movie is <laughs> wild. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, there's there's a kaiju in it, which is why we're, we're doing it, but... <laughs> yeah, th- there should be a little asterisk. Th- this is... I think the reason we were doing this movie is one, it's an Ashura Honda film. And yes. I, I think everyone should watch as many Ashura Honda films as they can. Mm-hmm. And there, there is a kaiju in it who is mostly a, a cameo appearance. Uh, this is a, a disaster film. This, yeah. this is this is like Armageddon 30 years early. It is an excellent disaster film. I would say, I mean, I, I know there were some other ones of the time in the, the early 60s. They didn't really get big in america until the 70s this is excellent for for the time we, we were talking about you having watched some other japanese disaster films oh yeah this i mean so god tier disaster film is 1972's submersion of japan or Jap- japan sinks based off the novel of the same name uh, yeah. there's i think currently an anime adaptation or i guess an anime uh modernization uh-huh. of that story that I think it's a Netflix original, but it it's, if you like disaster films and especially if you like that era of Kaiju films with the, the, the special effects where they're really trying because oh, man. I love the Showa era. They're not always really try- A lot of these were kind of cheaper as they went on submersion of Japan, AKA Japan sinks. I don't think falls into that. It's an excellent disaster film that needs to be, on the level of the the great American disaster films of the 70s. I mean, right up there with Poseidon Adventure, Towering Inferno, the airplane movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, sorry, the airport movies, <laughs> not the airplane movies. No, the, no you're right. <laughs> airplane too. I, I love the airplane movies too, but the, the airport movies, uh, with the exception of the last one, it, it's it's an excellent, excellent disaster film. I, I have, in the last few years, really grown to appreciate and love the disaster film genre. Mm-hmm. And... Even including some of the works of someone who we will watch one movie for, at least, Mr. Roland Emmerich, who is, mm. I, I would say, kind of the master of breaking stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he just really took it in the late 90s, early 2000s to be his his bread and butter. Yeah, I mean, there- a new one. Uh, by the time this is out, I think Moonfall will be have, have released. So, <laughs> yeah, and kind of, you know, almost. <laughs> similar to the subject we're, we're talking about here. With it is. Gorath <laughs> and some other movies that I'm going to talk about. But this one, let's get into 1962's Gorath. Yeah. And before we go forward, Patrick, I'm going to need you to tell me what's in a title. Well, I mean, obviously a good deal. The poster for this one, the Japanese poster, if you're listening to this, I recommend you check it out. It's a, it's a pretty cool collage of all kinds of crazy stuff. 
it's in a it. dope poster. But we mentioned a few weeks ago at the beginning of this season, the 1960s and kaiju films, that there's only really three movies in the entire decade that aren't just the monster's name or part of the monster's name. Maybe five if you include like all monsters attack and and and, and stuff like that. That has the word monster in it, though. <laughs> but yeah, this is one of a few that is not named after the monster. And like we intimated, it's because the monster is the kaiju is kind of a cameo. <laughs> yes, the, 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 we we are stretching it, but I mean, my thing is, if we did half of those dumb bug movies. I can put in an Ashira Honda movie and be happy about it. <laughs> yeah, and. Besides that, it is fun to talk about this one because there are some connections, some legacy connections to later films. And Maguma, the kaiju in question, does come up in other media uh, for Godzilla. He is, you know, kind of not retconned, but is part of the universe. Supposedly, in (laughs) some of the Millennium series films, Gorath is like canon. You know, like they have a few of the. The films where they they show footage from older Toho ones. It's like, oh, we've had all kinds of monsters. I think Maguma is in part of that, even though in that universe, I don't think the moon was destroyed. <laughs> but yeah, the title for this film is the bigger threat in the movie, even bigger than the kaiju. And that is the giant rogue planetoid thing, Gorath. The literal Japanese title is Calamity Star Gorath, which is really great. I like it more than just Gorath um, or Ominous Star Gorath. The West German title is UFOs Destroy the Earth. Not at all (laughs) correct, (laughs) but in France, it was called Clash of the Planets. And in Greece, Threat from the Center of the Universe. I really like that one, too. Yeah, that one one works. I mean, it's definitely a a title that would have fit in the sixties for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this is in more ways than one, very similar to the Mysterians, which we'll, we'll talk about. And like I said, a couple other titles in the 1960s don't have the monster as the star, right? So what is going on? <laughs> this movie it came out in 1962, but it actually takes place in the late seventies in the early eighties. And, you know, we've got Jimmy Carter at at that point, and my my notes are a mess here. In that time, we see the crew of the JX-1 Hayabusa spacecraft blasting off to investigate Gorath in the very beginning of this film. And it's a pretty long opening sequence. The the opening sequence is kind of hilarious because so you have these two girls who were going to go swimming. Yeah. And then, you know, they hear this loud explosion and they're both scared. And then they see this rocket and she's like, Oh, isn't your, isn't your father on there? So, okay. If, if they're at the location of where, which this rocket is taking off from, what, why are they surprised? I mean, that's a good question. Maybe they just didn't know when they were going to blast off. It was like, hey, any day well, now we're going to fire. Not only that, this shocks them out of their desire to swim because then all of a sudden, oh, you need to be planning your wedding. And they just turn around and go home. This movie isn't as bad as a Gorgo as far as, you know, uh, a, a, a complete lack of, of female characters. But the, the 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 two main female leads in this film are kind of disaster bait. They're, you know, ones put in these, you know, situations maybe where they have to get 
oh, maybe I'm thinking of of a different film. They're they're just there to be the people on Earth, kind of like watching in in rapt, you know, horror as as this goes on. It's unfortunate because I mean I, I really liked all of the main cast in this film. Yeah, I thought the cast was fantastic. But yeah, the first rocket, the JX one, they go to investigate Gorath and they find out. It, you know, it's supposed to be smaller than Earth, but they get there and they find out it has 6,000 times the gravity well. And so they get destroyed. They know they're going to get destroyed. So they send that data back to Earth. And then and just like all scream hurrah as they they, they <laughs> crash into the. Well, yeah, that's what the I think the fan made translation. They say bonsai, you know, in, in Japanese. Right. So, yeah, they, they go down with the ship. At first, he's the captain's like, well, I mean, I would tell you if we were going to die, of course. And then like, and then yeah, they, they like, try to maneuver. Like, we're, go- we're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> they try to maneuver away. And he's like, guys, I'm not going to I'm not going to BS you. Oh, we're going to die. <laughs> all right, bonsai. <laughs> Let's go. That's great. And then there's this one guy in that entire crew who looks deeply unhappy, like to be there the entire time. Like, I thought maybe he was some sort of like, is there going to be a spy angle to this story? Because he like had this weird face of no emotion is it the one that looked um, american or kind of because is it the the boyfriend of the the female yes yes that guy i i i I don't even i didn't even catch his name i i didn't either and but yeah he he just had this weird look about him like even before they knew they were gonna die he just he looked shifty (laughs) yeah i mean I, i i guess none of them Outside of those shouting bonds, I were super excited. So uh, I, I, I want to, I want to pose a little thought experiment because obviously we don't see all aspects of this ship, but we see the 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 exterior of the ship. It's a standard fifties looking rocket, mm-hmm. and they are in some sort of bridge type area. Now these guys have been, from what we have been told, in space for about nine months. I see no signs of a commissary. I've seen no bathroom. <laughs> it's I, it's like a. I need uh, to know what's going on in this ship. <laughs> it, the layout is very interesting. It reminds me of like a, a B-52 bomber. You've got the flight right. deck up a, a small set of like a laddered stair. And then everyone's kind of like recessed, like where the bomb bays are, but it's got a, a submarine feel to it, which is interesting. Yeah. I really like at the end, captain Sonata, as he's getting ready, his little <laughs> chair flips up behind him into like, you know, launch position. <laughs> there's, yeah, some, it, there's some really cool elements. I like the costuming too at that part. I mean, it's no, the, the, cost, the Mysterians, the but I, I, just, I have to assume maybe it has, has a similar layout to like the Planet Express or something because mm. that that ship looked like it was the rocket and the bridge and that's it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they they didn't. I mean, they because they, they had a completely different set. It seemed like for the JX two, but they right. didn't waste any time because they that ship was not gonna last. <laughs> it was on screen for about ten minutes, and that was their kind of intro to the movie. And yeah, and then it time jumps a little bit, maybe like a month or so to New Year's. And we meet some of our other main characters, including Sonata's daughter and her friend. And then some of the pilots that are in training for the JX2. 
if, if memory serves. Yeah, what, what else happens, Miles? What's going on next in the film? Uh, well, so one of my favorite bits is like I, right before. No, this is right afterwards. It's Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And we are treated to a chorus of people singing Jingle Bells, except for one very noticeable person who I guess because, you know, we watched the Japanese version uh, either didn't want to, didn't know or couldn't sing the, the English words. And so they're just singing la la the to the to the tone as everyone else sings the actual lyrics and it's deeply hilarious <laughs> i mean the movie is deeply hilarious it's is very funny <laughs> I, I i loved i love the choice they're like oh you don't have to you don't have to know the words just just say la 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 and i was like it was it was it was an excellent choice i i, I was i was dying um, so we re- we run into kind of our one of our main characters in Kanai. Yes. Who is dressed I, like a robot. I would say he's the main character. Yeah, he's he. he so the two girls are are kind of doing this down this this street festival and this robot keeps blocking their path. And then he <laughs> puts up his visor and oh, it's someone they know. And he's supposed to, I think initially supposed to be part of an exploration team to Saturn, which sounds awesome. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, and so here from here on out. So we, we, we followed these two girls because, you know, one of them hasn't heard because it's been so long that her father's died. And so she, I think she comes to either her, her house or his house or something because there's all these people gathered there. And you see that his pictures up with candles and, and, you know, everyone's looking at her and i i think even someone said oh no one told you and it just it's it was a very weird scene yeah i'm i'm a little confused because there's yumi shirakawa plays uh tomoko and i believe that's the daughter and then i think she also the niece of the takashi shimura character who's like the scientist who's you know dr yamane uh mm-hmm. actor yes and they have also a, a very <laughs> completely unneeded younger brother character in there as well. Oh, uh, yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> uh, yeah, Fumio uh, Sakashita plays um, the the younger Sonata sibling, I suppose. Right, and we eventually do meet more of the JX2 cast who, or, or crew who have some shenanigans and a very way too long <laughs> helicopter sequence. This, I was that seems I did not know what was going on for a second. I was they're like, <laughs> excited to see that they had the budget to have an actual helicopter in the film, the, the gyro. <laughs> it was funny, though, because six of them piled into this thing and <laughs> took it yeah. on a joyride in the very beginning. Um, it was, the, it was the, very comical and it was it was very weird because you can see these guys are a little more lighthearted of a crew. But they yeah, they clown car into this whirly bird, <laughs> essentially, to demand that their project not be cut because they because their captain seemed a little off. Yes. And oh, gosh. Um, Someone must have given them a jump to conclusions, Matt. <laughs> uh, Indo, uh, the 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 captain, is of course played by Akiko Harata mm-hmm. of of many a Godzilla movie fame. Not not a huge role in this, you know. 
it's more about the younger cadets who, yeah, we get to see them in, in training a bit before that. But the one that I really want to point out was Masanari uh, Nihai is one of the crew members, Ito, and we will talk about him a great deal more in Ultraman because <laughs> he uh, he plays Michihiro in, in that show and is a joy, is a is a, a massive joy. So it was very nice to see him here, even though he play, has a very small role. But anyway, back to the plot. They figure out Gorath to come to Earth. You know, this rogue planet is, even if it gets close to Earth, it'll destroy the planet. Like, it doesn't even have to smack into Earth because it yeah. can get close enough to just strip the atmosphere and ocean from it. And, you know, we like our atmosphere and our ocean here, so... Yeah, it, I I mean it's an interesting idea of like this like rogue like star that's just like cruising. <laughs> yeah, they don't really talk too much about its speed, but at one point they say it enters into our solar system and they I think they say they only have a matter of like a month or so until that right. point. So it's 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 going very fast. But then they also send their uh, another the JXU out to to meet it. But the main it's so funny. They seem to like not have any plan on how to deal with it for the first half of the movie. And then they decide they're going through with projects uh, South Pole to install a giant set of rockets. It looks like when they have a map, they're like ringing all of Antarctica with rocket stations you know we can only really see one at a time but i think the plan is the entire south pole is a you know kind of a a rocket rocket array yeah yeah Um, it's a comical plot device because (laughs) they they go into this movie does try to give you some science but it's only when it's convenient they they don't go into really they talk briefly about it maybe while Gorath's passing, because Gorath's passing does interrupt the tides and causes many monsoons and and massive flooding. And they, I think someone briefly mentions what making a rocket out of the earth will do, and they never really touch back on it. Because mm-hmm. they're like, oh yeah, we'll 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 lose like X amount of our air and blah blah blah. And I can't imagine what the actual I would love to like know what the actual ramifications would be for propelling the entire planet 400,000 miles well, to the left. <laughs> I mean, there's that's one thing, but the moon does get destroyed in this movie and that yeah. has uh, going to have much more, you know, terrible Oh, it, it absolutely will. But they also at the end of the movie said, oh, yeah, we have to we have to put the earth back where it was. And I'm like, and, oh, they also say it's going to take like 200 times more power to do so. And it's like, yeah, I mean, they had to have, have a had a plan to like stop it because it's just now yeah, accelerating now just yeah, careening in the galaxy now <laughs> out of orbit it's very confusing <laughs> but yeah the uh, i mean it's it's not i guess insanely crazy when i was watching the film i was reminded of there's a, a dam the three gorges dam that they built in china that has built up a reservoir of 42 billion tons of water and they say the shift in mass of that side to that side of the planet increased the length of the day. Like it slowed the planet's rotation by not a, you know, zero amount, but 0.06 microseconds. 
So <laughs> if just a damn project can do that, yeah, I mean, we, we should be lucky there's not rich evil geniuses that set rockets up in the South Pole because I, I don't want a longer day. I don't know about you, <laughs> but days are long enough. <laughs> Seems like they could they could probably mess with our 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 planet. Yeah, it's it's I mean, but this is the kind of disaster movie that I enjoy. Like I would liken this, even though it kind of feels like it's doing Armageddon, more of the <laughs> hilarious problem solving feels much more like the core. <laughs> yeah. And well, and I I I greatly enjoy that ridiculous little movie. So for the same reason, I, I felt like, nah, I mean, yes, this is legitimately stupid, but it's also greatly entertaining and I don't care. Well, it's so funny, and they they do seem to want to get some of the science right because so much of the it doesn't look great, but the spacecraft kind of physics and mechanics it doesn't look like your typical you know just rockets zooming around right. in space they they talk about how you know they're not going to have the pole to escape the the gravitational well and things like that right and they they it's hard to show but they show how like they're zooming towards a rocket and then they maneuver to sh- put the rockets you know blaster on the other side but they're still moving forward towards the rocket because of inertia in space but Anyway, they they go through the Project South Pole, and this would not be a kaiju movie if a kaiju wasn't supposedly woken up from the heat given off at the South Pole. A reptile that they (laughs) say, but is very much just a giant walrus. I don't see anything really reptilian about Maguma. But of course, Maguma is is there to destroy some of the plants, and I like that as a twist. One, like one more thing, like that goes wrong because they they also have like the planet gets or parts of the planet get flooded as you know the moon gets destroyed and Goreth is coming near, and they show very briefly some of the rockets getting flooded, but they don't really have like a solution to that. It just like happens as opposed to Maguma, they have to like take care of. But yeah, and and it feels like an afterthought. I I liked Maguma because it's not very often you get to see a giant walrus. Oh, he was bopping around. I'm not gonna lie though. I got up to go to the bathroom, and by the time I come back, Maguma's entire cameo was done. (laughs) I had to backtrack Um, because it's really only five minutes of the film. Yeah, he's he's uh, Maguma's not in it very, very often. I think if you want more scream time, you probably have to watch like Ultra Q where that suit was used for an episode. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because Maguma, I don't think it appears really in anything else except for a couple of small things. Like I think it's one in one of those like little animated shorts. Yeah. And he's, he's in that he's in the Toho like children's kaiju book. Yeah, uh, you know, like next to like an igloo, which I thought was was kind of cool. Yeah, um, and he's, he has an appearance in the novel sequel for the Netflix anime trilogy, which we're never going to be able to read because it's not coming. Right. Because they're not. Yeah, it's so. not coming here. <laughs> but I know, it, it's uh, nice to read about. It's fun to read about that book. I know Honda had said that he was uh, that that Maguma was initially supposed to be in Destroy All Monsters. It feels like, oh, yeah. I mean, Varen is in there for, what, 10 seconds or less. Yeah. It seems like Maguma would probably just be stock footage from this film. I think they did want a bigger role for him there. Like he was guarding 
the monster island in that film but yeah i, I just i like the idea of like having a giant walrus be bopping around like i i'm a fan i'm a fan of maguma he looks fine in this you know that they went ahead and and, and built this <laughs> built this walrus suit it's so funny to say and and, and the walrus suit is <laughs> amusing because you can tell it's just some dude crawling around yes and and supposedly it was stated that it was portrayed, Maguma was portrayed by both uh, Katsumi Tezuka as well as Haru Nakajima. But <laughs> uh, Haru Nakajima has been quoted as saying he had no memory playing Maguma, <laughs> which is which hilarious. Either means he was, which either means he was toasted the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> or he's just been in so many monster suits that right. that week of shooting had no memory on him. Because it was not, you know, maybe five scenes maximum, yeah. like five different set pieces. It looks and, and, good and in the film, but it is so short. Yeah, and we don't know enough about Maguma to say other than like, I mean, it's a giant walrus. Could be a prehistoric walrus, but I don't know of any additional skills that Maguma might have. But we also spent, yeah, about five minutes with the creature, mm-hmm. and it was a glorious five minutes because I, I hadn't seen this movie before, and so the last thing I was expecting was a giant <laughs> walrus to pop up, and I, I was absolutely delighted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's I will say, and this will come into my review as well it doesn't feel like it fits with the rest of the movie because the rest of the movie it absolutely is doesn't so different even very different from the feel of the mysterians this is a very kind of gritty realistic sci-fi movie that he was trying to make and you know because the history is very similar i'll keep making these comparisons to the mysterians tomoyuki tanaka supposedly demanded that ashira honda put a giant monster in this movie, just like Mogera in the Mysterians. And it's funny that their names are so close. Mogera, Maguma. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, that how movie, thought they put a name in this, this bad boy. Mogera <laughs> felt like something the Mysterians could have, and it felt like it could fit into the plot. And stylistically, those action sequences melded very well. Not that they don't hear, but he just comes out of left field. There's no, like, I guess, I mean, there's no precipice that there could be giant monsters in this universe until there suddenly is, you know? Yeah, it, it definitely felt like something that they tacked on to give to give people something extra to be excited about, some more action sequences. Yeah. In, in a film, I mean, it's only 88 minutes long, so I, I, I get one. it. It's, it's a short film, although... The movie does have a little bit of a dryness that you definitely feel a lot of it's 88 minutes. It's my one real complaint is like some of the the British movies that we had talked about before. There is there is a little bit of a dryness with this film that does make it feel like it, it kind of drags its feet a little bit. Well, like a lot of disaster movies, it does follow a lot of different characters all at once. So we never get any real growth or we never get really attached to anyone. Even Kanae's kind of arc of him trying to get this girl he loves to acknowledge him, gives her a a bracelet. Then he goes off to investigate Gorath and loses his memory. Yeah. And then comes back to Earth and gets it back, you know, towards the end of the movie. Okay. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't seem like anything is really 
solved character wise but you know the earth is saved tokyo is destroyed but they're like i will build it better you know it gets destroyed every couple years by a giant monster so we've gotten good at this Mm -hmm. um director shira honda went on record you know to say that if it weren't for maguma this would probably have been his favorite film that he did which is a shame you know i don't think Mm. that probably was the case with the american version because they did they cut maguma out of the u.s cut of this film for the exact same reason as shira honda didn't want him in there the the american production company that that brought it over whose name escapes me it was it got a only a west coast release by brinko pictures yeah, they they mocked him. They called him Wally the Walrus. And, and I wish his name was Wally the Walrus. They cut I him out of the movie. Flipped my stuff. I if if he is like, oh, it's Wally. Is the that's the Woody Woodpecker character, Wally Walrus. But they they cut him out and they added, believe it or not, like seven minutes of exposition to the beginning of the movie, like explaining, you know, the science. You know what they do with every. <laughs> Godzilla release, which is kind of a very boring kind of through thread structure. But man, yeah. if you just taking those five those five minutes out, I mean, here's the, I, while I am absolutely delighted by the sheer idiocy of Maguma, I I can also see trimming five minutes and making this thing just really kind of zip along. I I could absolutely see that. As to what I mean, Honda's allowed to have his favorites. It's definitely not my favorite Shiro Honda film. But it's a good disaster movie. It's I, a pretty solid little disaster movie. I think I liked it more than the Mysterians. Actually, it is shot <sighs> so well. I I just it, it looks is shot very very well. It, it looks so advanced, and we have another Shira Honda nineteen sixties you know big budget film with next week's episode to compare it to. This looks so good by comparison. This is him. I think trying really really hard and he gets some good performances I, I really like all the kind of military or i guess there'd be air force whoever whoever's in charge of the jx ships i i enjoy their their uniforms and their kind of like mannerisms in in dealing with one another it works a lot of stuff in this movie works it it really really does and i i mean because i i gotta imagine you know at at one point you know we're we're kind of the space race has begun. And yeah. so this this kind of idea is is just absolutely fertile for the time period where yeah. we're thinking about space and we're exploring. We're starting to explore space and, you know, what's out there? What are the possibilities? And of course, if you're making adventure films and disaster films, what things could destroy us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is still so early 1960s. So we're seven years away from, of course, the moon landing. And this same year, I think we, uh, the Mariner probe had got to Venus. So we're like, this is like the one of the first times we've even gotten to another planet. But we get to see here a vision like 20 years in the future or so of the entire world being able to join together and face a deep impact or Armageddon level threat in a crazy way. And it, it works. It's it works. Certainly, it's it's certainly a director's, I think, trademark of Honda having that specific message. Yes, same as the Mysterians. He really enjoyed that 
and he's he's built it into a couple other films. This one and most of his movies, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not the if it's not the main theme, it's at least kind of touched on. It's it is Honda's with great power comes great responsibility. Did you have any favorite scenes or or anything? I mean, I did did greatly enjoy Maguma. I guess he was so (laughs) ridiculous. I I actually I love the image that they use of when the Earth is being propulsed to avoid Gorath. That it's a cool looking little little graphic. Yeah, and they've got it does look like all of uh, Antarctica is just one giant rocket and right which is, is a great visual it's it's believable they use nuclear energy to to man these rockets and i really enjoyed the there's there's one scene where i, I think it's an earthquake that destroys one of the the tunnels and I, mm-hmm. I don't know where they shot that but they have some really great sets for for the south pole some some interesting miniatures you know sometimes i don't know why they think it's okay to like use human you know <laughs> train miniature dolls on the <laughs> tractors and and everything else that they're they're using the the bulldozers yeah. but besides that I and mean, they it's i would love to have seen this set you know in in filming progress uh, of course ej subaraya did the the effects for for this one I thought the flooding of Tokyo looked pretty excellent. Oh my goodness. I thought that was a, a, a just an amazingly great miniatures, great. Everything looked phenomenal. The first and, the first time you see Tokyo, you know, where they're just showing it before destruction, I didn't know it was a miniature. They they had shot it in such a way cuz it was up like they were up on top of the building. Mm-hmm. It looked real, you know. Yeah, it, it, it it's photo realistic. It's one of the best shots of 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 that kind that i have seen from this era yeah i i have said it multiple times but as awesome as you know seeing a shiro honda's directorial style change from movie to movie the entirety of ej superaya's career has just been getting more and more excellent at what he does and of course oh, yeah there was a second unit director whose name escapes me who did most of the Maguma shots, but a lot of those special effects sequences are set up and done by Subaraya's production team, which would be starting to gather its resources to branch out on its own and make its own products and and television shows in, in the very near future, which once again, he's just doing what he can with amazing budgets and in, in film here and, and learning everything he can Let, let's talk a little bit about the legacy for for this movie i've got a little bit of notes here you know f- aside from your asteroid movies just a couple years ago a chinese film called the wandering earth 2019 came out big the, big hit uh yeah it was a 16th highest grossing movie of 2019 and it is all about a well, moving the Earth in the very same way, uh, the sun is going supernova. There's not a rogue planet. So they have to move Earth out of this solar system and they build gigantic ro- rockets at the South Pole the exact same way in this film. Lars von Trier had a 2011 super depressing part of his depression trilogy film called Melancholia, which was about a rogue. Lars von Trier made planet. a depressing film? Say it ain't so. <laughs> well, it's, it's part of his depressing trilogy. But yeah, there's. It, it, it's been more than a trilogy. I don't that know. dude makes nothing but depressing films. <laughs> well, some are disgusting as well as depressing. Oh, you're talking about Antichrist? 
I think that's part of the depression trilogy, but yeah, that's both. <laughs> this is an idea, the planet X idea of there being an unknown planetoid that has an irregular orbit, kind of like Pluto does, that we don't know about. And hilariously, that has now been changed to Planet Nine. So if you Google it, it could come up as as both, since now there's only eight planets. There are people thinking this is a ninth planet. The conspiracy theorists have called this Nibiru, and there are a lot of people that think there is indeed a wandering planet that could destroy Earth or collide with Earth. Hasn't happened yet, but that's not to say if we haven't found this planet that it can't happen. Boy, oh boy. Go down that rabbit uh, hole, I dare you, Miles. I, I actually have that tab open for when we finish recording because it looks like a wild ride. <laughs> There's a lot. And so I've got I've got I've got a a six pack and the rest of my evening. So it's <laughs> this is where we're going. There's unfortunately not a lot more for uh, Maguma, but you did mention he will show up as Tadora in mm-hmm. Ultra Q. With some alteration, they they basically reused a lot of the Toho film secondary monsters with alterations. But Gorath will show back up, which I forgot completely about. I completely forgot that was the name of the the meteorite in Godzilla Final Wars. Like yes, it completely escaped me, and I was like, which again, oh gosh, what's his name? Ryuya Kinemura. Yeah, of course, because he, he made that film as if I want a love letter to Godzilla, but I also think a love letter to Honda's creations. Oh, yeah. The fact that he's using Gorath at all is just like, yeah, this 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 was supposed to be like this kind of best of comp. And if they I, were if they were big fan of film, if they were called the Mysterians and not the Zillions, it would have tied in everything. I don't know if there is a reference to the Mysterians in that film. Is Magira is not in that movie which is surprising because yeah you know it's every other monster ever (laughs) aren't the aliens in invasion the astro monster called the zillions yes i'm I'm pretty i'm pretty sure like that was that's names been used before because they use a similar style but they obviously modernize it yeah Uh, i i'm a i'm a big big fan of that movie so Oh yeah, we'll we'll talk about all the references in that movie. We'll have to do like a master list to every other film. But yeah, Gorath is in there, and you know another film we're going to be talking about the sixties at Tragon. All right, we we talked about this long enough. Let's get to our rating of Gorath. Both Miles and I rate three different categories of uh, one to ten for the movies: personal enjoyment, the technical, the aesthetic elements, as well as the emotional and kind of evocative responses that this film makes as a piece of art within the kaiju genre so we're mostly comparing this to other kaiju films let's talk it through do you want to start my i really enjoyed this one i i i enjoyed it a great deal i i marked it for you know just being a little dry and kind of plotting in points i also didn't love that i mean i liked can i i, I liked the characters i wanted more of them if they could have i'm sorry to say it remove remove my good boy and (laughs) giving me five minutes of just some character stuff just a little bit more to to make me actually care about the plights of some of these characters yeah i think that it would have been a a very good it's still a very good but but a Uh, a top tier disaster film um so i'm i'm giving it an eight which is still uh a pretty darn good score Oh yeah. The more the more I talk about it, the more I was entertained by it. The more I I think it's a a pretty fun movie. I actually might try to seek out the American version that that is cut a little bit differently and see see how I feel about it. 
I wish. Uh, yeah, there's it. It has not been, I think, in print for some time. You can find. Yeah, it I had to watch it on the Internet TV. Archive. Unfortunately. That's one of the only places. Sadly, I don't think there's an official U.S. release. I just I need somebody to go to Japan, put in the work, and I don't care if it's Arrow, Criterion, <laughs> oh, I would Vinegar think. Syndrome. I don't care who it is, but someone give us the the Shiro Honda box set that we so desperately mm. deserve. That'd be that'd be crazy, <laughs> crazy amount of work. You're right, and but- honestly. It could be the non-Godzilla films. I'm fine with that. I've got the Criterion Godzilla set, so I don't need those. Give me ever. Give me Varen. Give me. Give me all of his non-sci-fi. Give me Gorath and Atragon. All of that. Um, so- or that uh, the one we're doing soon with the the, the giant jellyfish. Um, <laughs> Dagora. Yes, Dagora. I give me all of that in in glorious 4K. <laughs> I I would very much enjoy it. This is one that I would probably get because I could see myself rewatching this. I gave it a nine for personal enjoyment, and I'm just, every every time I think about it, I think of one more scene that I'm <laughs> I really loved the the discussion they had with the taxi driver about <laughs> Gorath, where they're yeah. like, "What do you think of this Gorath situation?" It's like, "Yeah, well, I can't really uh, put too much <laughs> mental stock into it. I guess if the scientist figures something out, we'll be okay. And if not, then uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was he was he was taking it very very well. He's <laughs> like, oh, I hope the scientist got something up their sleeve, or <laughs> I guess we're in a, a Lars von Trier movie." <laughs> <laughs> not the oh Shiro boy. Honda. Technically, I think I might have a bump this score up. It is so technically proficient as far as the the sets. I mean, this looked like almost a completely different director. This has a huge budget as well for the Shiro Honda, you know, science fiction movie. Might be his largest budget. I have to double check on that. It looks great. They've done so much with the miniatures in this. It is a shame it's not a Godzilla movie. I feel, th- I mean, this almost some of these sets, these miniatures look like they could be in the 1984 Godzilla movie. They look excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I am going to bump up the technical up to a nine as well. I think EJ Subraya is is doing his best work almost every single time he he gets the budget and the oh yeah he's, he's 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 just a, an absolute master i think absolute this is master the the realist kind of take they did on this movie as compared to the mysterians just makes this look much more believable what about you miles so i'm i'm giving it an an, an eight as i uh, i think that there are some some bits that I honestly think Gorath could have been a little bit more interesting. Mm. I think it was well, it was good, but I think I just I don't know. There are parts of the, the star that I just I I found like a little lacking for me. But I I did greatly enjoy how this film looked. I thought the special effects, by and large, were really good. There were some things that looked a little shoddy. I think at one point where there's a scene when you're watching all of the little rocket or uh, propulsion propulsion. Uh, propul- yeah. all the rockets right yeah but i think at one at one point one of them either like popped off or like blew away or something <laughs> and like it's a, a very quick like you don't see all of them you just see one kind of like had like been knocked over or like flew away or something and like just in like a like a split second you miss it and i thought that was what, pretty entertaining i actually thought that the 
that whole field of rockets didn't look as impressive to me as I, yeah, I wish they had just, you know, focused on like one at a time and shot it from different angles. Maybe and, it, and made it them look like, like kind of rockets as opposed to just like, I don't know, Friday night at medieval times. <laughs> they look um, like torches in some sequences. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, overall it's a really good looking movie. I think the flooding sequences is just a master. I think all of the, all of the weather stuff was great. Even when that ding dong ch- child is like out as like, Oh, the mountains are falling down. Get inside. <laughs> yeah, what are you what doing? is wrong with you? <laughs> um, uh, but, but I, I, yeah, I think, I think the, the overall look of the film was fantastic. I do think it's some of Subaraya's uh, best work so far. Uh, he does keep getting better. And especially when, well, he gets better, but also when given a proper budget, because, you know, mm-hmm. when you, when you're not given a proper budget or you don't have Subaraya, as we will see soon, the look of a movie can suffer greatly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely gave it a, an, an eight. Yeah. I think, yeah. Shiro Honda, did some great scripting here. I think you're right. It could have been cut a little bit better as far as it's kind of standing within the genre and its response as, as a film while an entertaining film, I don't think because they can't really focus a lot on any one character. It was that thought provoking of a movie it is a great disaster film, but still in, in the Kaiju genre, I wouldn't want you to skip this because you don't think it's a good movie, but definitely skip this if you are looking for a kaiju. Oh yeah, it, film. It, it is. It is not a kaiju film. I mean, there, it, there, there, there is a kaiju in it, sort of briefly. It's amusing, but it, this is a disaster film. Yeah, Mysterians feels more like a kaiju movie just because of the the way they have to deal with the threat of the aliens. This one definitely does not. It is. It is a tense scene where Maguma does show up because. If he messes up these rockets, the entire Earth gets destroyed, which is not something a lot of other kaiju threats can pose. Still, I gave this one a five out of ten, very low down on kind of its yeah. importance. Uh, that's where I am as well. I, I, okay. I mean, this film is not talked about much, sadly, and it should be. It's a it's a great disaster film. It's a great piece of of, of Japanese science fiction cinema. Mm-hmm. It's begging for some sort of re release. I would love to see this. I mean the 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 if you're if you're hurting to watch it, the Internet Archive has it. It's a pretty solid copy, but it, I mean, I would just love to see this thing cleaned up in HD and watch it on a nice big screen. I yeah, I'm I'm a fa- I'm definitely a fan of this movie, but yeah, sadly the legacy just isn't much. Yeah, I will say you do see hints of this movie in future science fiction films. So I mean, it does yeah. have some sort of influence but it's hard to say that that is the specific legacy of gorath i think if this if this podcast was a disaster movie versus history this would probably be a 10 on on that scale because it's it's so good it's a very good disaster movie absolutely but yeah so our final scores combined uh, the podcast rating for this is a 7 out of 10 which honestly maybe even a bit too high for a kaiju film but is a very enjoyable watching experience yeah, I, I i agree i i in comparison with kaiju film i i i, I was struggling to rate it any higher because mm-hmm. that's not what i was thinking about but at the same time I, I because this film doesn't have enough eyes on it i feel like we need to give this movie a little bit of yeah just desserts and that i mean yeah go see gorath it's good and yeah. 
maybe if people make noise about it, we can get a decent copy somewhere. Oh, goodness gracious, please. Right. So I think that that's the button up on <laughs> on this one. But it feels so weird finishing a, a great Toho film and then not having to go back stateside anytime soon because uh, feels yeah. so good. We have more Toho films ahead of us, which is very oh, exciting. Yes, we do. But before we get to that, uh, thank you for for listening to us. If you've enjoyed this, go ahead and wherever you found this podcast, you know, take the time to subscribe or share an episode or rate it, comment, whatever, <laughs> whatever things you can do. Those help people find the show. And now that we're in the 60s, I actually want people to get into these episodes and get into these movies, really dig into the kaiju cinema. But that is going to do it for for this week's episode. Miles, thanks so much. Oh, thank you with me. And are you ready to tune in next time when we are getting into a wrestling match, a grudge match, perhaps that has been ordained since the start of Kaiju cinema, maybe since indeed the 1930s, as we have the two Titans, the main event tune in next time as it is history versus King Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs>